And the fridge on the main floor decided to conk yesterday. Of course it did. Why not? Yeah. Why not? And that's no longer Airbnb, but you got monthly renters in there? Yeah. So because nobody's in the basement, we just whipped that little fridge up there. So they got a standby fridge. Susan comes home on Monday and we'll buy one and have it delivered. Why is it a standby fridge? I thought the other one was dead, DOA. Oh, no. The freezer's still working. Ah. But the upper is quite warm. <laughs> Don't buy a thing. Go and just turn the damn thing off for like two hours. I bet you a dollar fifty two that there's a place that air comes up. Like the coldest part is the freezer, right? Yeah. And the air, the coldinator goes from the freezer to the rest of the box. Yeah. And that thing, if there's, if the defrost thing has failed, there's a little defrost circuit in there. If that's failed, that gets plugged with ice and you get no cold in the regular part and the freezer still works. Oh. Yeah. Unplug yeah. just like a computer. Yeah. And if you want, run a hair, hair dryer in there. But for hours to let that ice all melt. I was going to say run a hair dryer. Just take oh. all the shit out of the freezer, oh. shut it off and run a hair dryer in there. I don't, speed think, it up, I don't think that's going to happen, but... Our, uh, free, our adjuster thing on the freezer would, wouldn't work. It wouldn't move. And it was just because the ice had clogged yeah. it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, they put some little 10-cent heater circuit in there to stop that from happening, and that probably lasts about 20 minutes after you plug it in for the first time. Well, it's probably 15 years old, <laughs> so... It might be fine after PJ's little fix, though. Okay, well, I'll... Uh, Run it past management? Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, because clear, clearly the compressor's all working. Yeah, exactly. We got some good mail. Lee of Courtney on episode 157, A Work of Art. So that would be your work of art. That's right. Yes. Hi, dogs. Oh, where to start? Feel free to edit this like crazy so it doesn't take up your whole airtime with one stupid letter. Here we go. The entire letter... <laughs> Unedited. First of all, yes, after my comment about all those 1960s, 70s music shows having the performers lip sync, I did read your information that Shindig was often live, so I sit corrected. And I get that, sit corrected, not stand corrected. Mm -hmm. You see that? That's I pretty nice. That just now, I just figured that out. And she continues, and I like learning new stuff, so thanks. There you go. Secondly, this is for KJ. KJ's not in the room at the moment. We're going to go ahead and read it. KJ's taking care of Buddy today. KJ has a super, super busy life at the moment. He's off to Victoria, then to Ottawa a day later, and he's just squeezing us into his busy life. We do, however, have KJ's hula man sitting in the sunlight, hula-ing, so at least we have that. He's standing in for KJ right now. And KJ thankfully has Buddy because Buddy has just decided that he doesn't care that he's neutered now. He's still going to be just as rambunctious as ever. I feel Buddy should be really checked. They should take blood samples to see. I think KJ's given him amphetamines to get out of recording with us. She goes on. Secondly, this is for KJ. Does Buddy not have a caller with a license and a tag that has maybe his name and your phone number on it? In the last couple of years alone, Brian and I have been able to reunite three lost dogs. Lost is in quotes. I think there's a little bit of judgment on the owners there because lost is in quotes. And with their owners by calling the number on the tag. Even without that, licensing is a big help because a person can see what city, town the animal is licensed in and call city town hall and they'll have the info either way it can be literally a lifesaver for runaway pups 
Thank you for that, Lee. KJ's buddy is licensed. He's tagged. Is he? Yeah. Well, I felt pretty judged by that, but I basically have two dogs that are not licensed, even or tagged, and partly the reason for that is you my... You got a what? What? I have two dogs that are neither licensed nor tagged, and the reason for that is my conviction that if they were ever to be off the leash, out of my care, they'd be dead in five minutes anyways. Like, they're they're just not going to survive out there in the world. That is for That was the section I wasn't going to read, that whole paragraph, because I thought, everybody knows that you license and tag dogs. Completely unnecessary. Surely Buddy is. It's just inconceivable that someone wouldn't license tag a dog. But then, here we have it. This is a valuable paragraph. It's for everyone who's opened a new idea. Is. Anyway, uh, PJ, what do you have to say about this? <laughs> I have to say this, that in my defense, for years and years, they had uh, leashes, collars with a tag on them, just as she said, a name and a phone number. Yeah. But the trouble was, you know, you attach the leash to those collars and at least one of those two dogs attempts to strangle himself for the entire walk. It's just straining at the leash. So I finally got those Hurts. harnesses, yeah. right? And so I took the collars off because it seemed kind of crazy to have the harness and the collar. Turns out it's not. But anyway, go ahead. Well, that's what, that's what happened. I did have them for years and years, even though I am convinced that like i avoid very very strenuously ever having them get out of the house not on the leash because you just don't know what the hell they're gonna do yeah yeah and you know even though they're a thousand years old that i also am and they're pretty fast so exactly like once you drop that leash yeah it's all over yeah no you might as well put those uh collars on they there's no harm in it i guess i don't know they don't seem to mind them that's for sure yeah so maybe I'll go back to that. Okay. Because, I mean, she's done it two or three times. That's kind of wild all by itself. Mm-hmm. You were wondering, she continues, a few things about my BCTV weather girl wardrobe. So here are the deets. I've been waiting for this. This is great stuff. <laughs> I shopped for the clothes with a wad of money that came from the station's check to me for wardrobe. So she literally walked in there with a wad of, like, 20s i'd say i don't she know had it in her hand she walked in the salespeople came rushing over that's that's what i have in my mind when when i read this there were parameters like certain colors were out because i was in front of the chroma key blue screen i remember the blue screens yeah. she says now everything's green screen and if my clothes were too close to the color of the screen all you'd see would be my disembodied head and hands waving around but other than that it was all very 80s power dressing hello ruffled blouse fronts shoulder pads and fuchsia I did get to keep all the clothes, and as it wasn't even a taxable benefit at the time, that was a major bonus. And no, I don't have one single item left anymore, but I did wear most of the things for years after. And finally, you were wondering about the collapse of the Save-On Foods roof back in the 80s. Yes, it was in 1988, and it was the Station Square construction. Mayor Bill Copeland and a whack of seniors were there for the big opening. Several people injured, but no one killed when the rooftop parking deck gave way. About 20 cars and a bunch of material came down, and there were close to 1,000 people in the store. And it all ended up with fault on the engineering side. Yeah, and there's a great Wikipedia article on that, so we'll uh, we'll put that in the show yeah, notes. Do. Yeah, do. Do, because those are the things. Yeah, I always want to know about that, because usually when stuff like that happens, somebody somewhere goofed, and it's either somebody just shamelessly trying to cut costs by substituting inferior materials. It's usually a boss. The engineer says you got to do this, and the boss says, look. Yeah. 
can we, what, what if we did this or that? And the engineer feels the pressure and says, sure, that should, that, that'll yeah. be fine. So all you chairman of the board and board members and multimillionaires that are contracting services, note to self, don't just go with the lowest bid. It's a bad idea. Costs you more in the long run. <laughs> and uh, their insurance costs must have gone up. Well, maybe. Must have, yeah. The whole thing must have been a giant cluster. And the only thing that takes away from the soundness of that advice is those guys always land on their feet anyways. They just get another job as another chairman and another board. The end. You the know. engineer, on the other hand, has a big red mark by his name yeah. or her name. Yeah. All right. Lee continues. Oh, and one more thing. PJ said he went to see Beyond Van Gogh exhibit, and I was wondering if that's like the immersive Van Gogh exhibit I saw at the Vancouver Convention Center a couple of years ago. It sounded somewhat the same, including the wildly overpriced gift shop items, but I figured there must be some differences as the title is different. Yeah, I, I bet you it is pretty much the exact same thing. And if I was going to guess, I'd guess they changed the title because it's a different bunch of promoters putting on the event that I saw that put on the same event there. So you just, okay, so our company's doing this event. The other one bought the rights to it and we're going to call it that event because we didn't get the rights to the title, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Joanne from Rosslyn writes about episode 158. Had to smile when you said you met Donna from Calgary and didn't recognize her. We all remember the people older than us in high school better than those younger than us. Interesting. I'd never thought about that. I don't know if it's exactly true, but to some extent, because you know, you're in the hallways, you see the older kids, you see the prefects, for example, and you, you kind of, I think maybe you're kind of thinking, I can't wait till I'm in that grade. Maybe that's that's what's well. They're on. cooler. The older you kids aspire are cooler. to coolness, so you pay more attention to what they're doing. They're more your role models than your stupid peers. Yeah. And those stupid younger guys who don't know anything about yeah, being in high school exactly. yet—they're idiots. Who cares yeah, about them? For sure, yeah. Donna and I were good friends in high school and have reconnected regularly since. I was just chatting with her online about an article I saw about her son's brewery. Also, about PJ's trip to the Kootenays, what were you thinking driving all that way in one day? We are too old for that and old enough to know better. JT Joanne. P.S. Still loving you three. And Joanne, I like how after PJ says that he did the wrong thing and he drove two hours... And he's too old for this, that you just pile on him. I like that. I like to do that myself. So thanks. Join the club. Yeah. You can kind of get in line as far as both piling on and advice about things old guys shouldn't do. Because really there's a lot of it and it is not invalid. And the trouble is your other choices aren't that great. You know? Yes. Don't eat this, that. I mean. Oh, you're still rationalizing it. Oh, no, no, no. For this specific thing? Yeah, no. You, it's harder to defend that one because it's easy enough to correct that thing. But in general, in life, when you are 66, yes, there's a list, a long range of things that probably are ill-advised to do. But if you cut out everything that you want to do that is considered at some level ill-advised, you're going to be left with not very much to do, I think. Rustica from Portland says about the Marmite tasting episode. She says, hi, Shed Dogs. I just started listening to your podcast and so far I've been enjoying them very much. Thank you, Rich, for letting me know about Shed Dogs. Since I'm caught up on the 2023 podcast, I listened to your Marmite taste episode from 2021, I think. I wonder, have you guys tried Twiglets? I personally like them, even though I find Marmite too much. 
Have you ever heard of twiglets? I had to look them up. Apparently, they're very popular in England. Okay. Are they accessible over here? I don't know. Didn't get that far. Well, I just wanted to know what the hell they actually test were. on twiglets. Yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. And apparently, they're uh, related to marmite in some way? I guess. I don't know whether they're made from leftovers from the brewing process also. No idea. Or maybe they just have in common that they taste bitterly awful <laughs> to most people. <laughs> but just not as bitterly awful. So, you're... <laughs> We're going to have a new line of food. Bitterly awful, just as you like it. Looking forward to more episodes. Rustica from Portland. Great to hear from you, Rustica. Yeah, what a pleasure that was. KG's not here, so he doesn't have to deal with this. Rustica's somebody, we all worked together in the 80s. And uh, here she is listening to the podcast. I was pretty excited. Nice work, RJ. Nice work. One listener at a time. One listener at a time. I'm really bad at handing out cards and stuff, and I should I should be doing. That. Oh, I don't know. I hand them out, but I because I'm a little too pushy about it. I think I get the opposite result that I want. And I go all self-deprecating, and people take that literally. I go, ah, oh, it's just three of us talking, you know, and we well, yeah, and we don't have that many listeners, you know, and I get quick to that, and they're they're just in their minds are going, okay, this is not an avenue I'm going to pursue. Yeah, you know what? I do that too, so maybe I'll change my approach. Yeah, maybe I should go all promotional. Oh, it's a great little show. Yeah. Just three of us in a shed, and we're just a... It's just as homey as you can imagine. You can pretty much smell that apple pie. It's like waves waves from ashore, and And you'll just love it. Nuggets of information and lots of laughs. I really recommend it, (laughs) as if I'm not in it. (laughs) And not to anticipate anything either, but you know what would really turn the tide? Merchandise. Like t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently that brings us to our next letter. I'm a pro, And RJ. our I'm <laughs> pro. That was so smooth. It was silky smooth <laughs> like butter. All right. Our final uh, one is from, who's this one from? Let me see. Let me see. Oh, <laughs> Lee from Courtney on episode 159. I'm glad she writes. <laughs> really glad she writes. Thank you, Lee. We really appreciate it. We really do. Well, dogs, one downside to a longer, largely unedited episode is that it has sparked me to write this longer, albeit edited comment. Now, I think she means she's already edited. Yeah, down. she's tried to contain herself is what she's saying. We really have to get her in here again. We will, uh, for sure. Because she says, there was just so much in this show. Feel free to break up my comment over various episodes or dispense with large chunks of it all together. Okay. To start, I was actually a bit heartened that ChatGPT didn't just accept your Gilligan update and keep it for future answers. Besides the fact that Wikipedia can be altered and written by anyone and incorrect information can sit there a long time, like KJ, I was concerned that bad actors could populate ChatGPT's knowledge with bad stuff. Not just wrong, but evil. And that's so true. I mean, yeah. now we, we fully understand now why you can't just correct chat GBT. But what you should be able to do is correct it so it looks in its already there source material and it kind of alters its way of thinking based on not what you said, but its confirmation in its source material. Yes, and if the authors of ChatGPT and the owners of it were of the do-no-evil school of corporate success, they'd do that. But if they're just in the more users equal more money school of corporate success, I don't think they're going to do that, which does leave us exposed to misuse of that tool. Well, I mean, it's to their their reputation matters a huge amount to their future monetization. So they do have to make sure that uh, the best they can avoid it. 
They don't want their tool to ever start spouting racist stuff or to start saying things that are, well, I mean, it does say things that are clearly untrue based on its source material. So everyone knows that already, which is kind of good in a way. Yeah. Right? Because everyone should know that just because ChatGPT says it doesn't mean it's true and therefore use the tool to get you going. I think it's the biggest strength of the tool is it is a starting point. It is, but the hidden dagger is it's often almost impossible to tell a given thing was generated by ChatGPT. This is a terrible generalization that's unfair to all sorts of crooks and scumbags out there, but a lot of the old scams... And we really should be fair to them. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah they're people just like us. Yeah. Scummy, dirty, rotten people, but, you know... Who never somehow the- sleep at night, and I don't know how... <laughs> But you'd get, and I still get them, you know, some sort of scam text. And it's got really egregious errors in it. Yes. Just stupid stuff. And you just kind of think, yeah, I'm pretty sure CRA is not sending me this misspelled and misused words and no punctuation. Pretty sure CRA is not doing that. Yeah. ChatGBT, on the other hand, is all over that kind of stuff. Yes. So right away, one of the early filters for scams is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's well put together. It's quite compellingly stated. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that, and I didn't believe this the first time I heard it, but I've heard it enough that I'm starting to believe it now, is that the reason, and we've talked about this, the reason that those are so poorly worded is they need mm. to filter you out. They don't want anyone mm. calling who, because if you can't see through that terrible wor- wording, then they've got you. Yeah, you know right. what? You've said this before, and I believe you're right, and yeah. I wish I could keep it in my it's head. It's an auto filter because they don't want to waste their yeah. time. Like if they trick you with chat GPT, and then they get you on the phone, and they're clearly calling from a call center in some obscure part of the world and have no knowledge of your cultural stuff that you know you immediately know that it's a scam. Yeah. But the people who aren't able to tell from the bad writing, then they're they're likely not. No, you know. I, I wish I, I need to try harder to keep that in mind because I believe you're absolutely right about that. Yeah, it's kind of, it's weird, interesting, but it's... All right, continuing on. Uh, just a note on your Gilligan chat. PJ mentioned that among the characters was the doctor. No, it's the yeah, professor. Yeah. I believe this is a well actually comment. Yeah, I think you'll find. I think you'll find that it's actually professor. <laughs> the professor, the professor and, and Marianne Mary here Ann. on Gilligan's Isle. Thank you for that, Lee. Hope you don't mind us poking a little bit fun at you. <laughs> uh, Lee splaining to PJ there. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> I was most impressed by RJ's mm. rapid mental arithmetic when calculating numbers of teaspoons needed to make a quantity of simple syrup. Yeah, well, the problem with that kind of mental arithmetic, it did. I was pretty good at that in my youth. Now I'll trick myself into thinking I still have it, and I'll go next thing you know, and I'll go, oh, the world is eight trillion kilometers across or something but like that. But see, this is, I, I mean, part of the joy of the journey here is discovering how people turn into old men. How do you get to be that old guy that is really cantankerous and feels he's right about everything and yada yada? Yes. And it's because you used to have it, but you don't anymore. Right. But you didn't get the memo that you don't have it anymore. That's right. Your, your behaviors are all built on past competence. Yeah. And sadly, yes. we're not in the past actually, only in our heads. Yeah. And then suddenly everyone's calling you dear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it all happens. And they're picking things up for you when you drop them and they're not wanting you to wash their car because 
because of your back and stuff like that. Speaking of simple syrup, I'm going to interrupt us right here. Oh, uh-huh, yes. Two nights ago, my youngest daughter told me, you'll be pleased to know, Dad, I made simple syrup. Uh, I said, what? <laughs> and she doesn't listen to the podcast regularly at yeah, all. She yeah. hadn't heard any of that conversation. Yeah. And I said, why didn't you just buy it? <laughs> and she said, cool, because it was really easy to make. And yeah, it, no, it is good to make it. I don't know why I don't make it. I should just trust that it'll last a lot longer than the recipes tell you. All right. She says, uh, anyway, she continues, that was great. Although I'm sure RJ would think it's not great that I usually put the ice cubes in my Ryan Diet Coke and kind of swoosh them around with my finger. <laughs> That's great. Maybe one of the reasons I was never a bartender. No, I think it's perfectly okay, Lee. Once you're looking at Ryan Diet Coke, I think you can fully <laughs> let yourself go on I was all the extra say, requirements yeah, at that point. I was going to say that, yeah, no, you know what? The fact that you're having Ryan Diet Coke is big thumbs up and therefore stirring it with your finger just completes it. I mean, to me, that invokes the image of somebody on their back deck in the evening looking out at the lawn that they spent all day hacking over. I'm good with that. Yeah, for sure. On the topic of Diet Coke, uh, I'm a Diet Coke drinker. Are you? Oh, and I love it. It's so good. And I'll bet you Lee agrees with this. It tastes way better than real Coke because you get used to that aspartame flavor. It's just a different, right? And then all of a sudden it's just like, this is just the best. I mean, I don't stock it at home. I'd love to stock it at home. If I started stocking at home and Sue didn't say anything, maybe I'd become even more regular, but I know it's bad for me. So I just, uh, I have it as a treat, maybe a couple times a week. Pretty sure you're going to love Twiglets. Twiglets are going to be great. Twiglets and Diet Coke, probably. <laughs> Holy Dinah. Mm-hmm. Maybe just dissolve them in there with your finger. <laughs> Stir the Twiglets in with your finger till they fall apart in your Diet Coke. Your discussion about In the Name of the King, which PJ rightfully noted as god-awful. I mean, really, a movie created from a video game. PJ thought that maybe it was Burt Reynolds' last film, as it was in 2007. Oh no, old Burt went on making films and TV shows until the year he died, which was 2018. Didn't realize that. I mean, that's already five years ago, but... Still, that's another 11 years of work based on the success of the Cannonball Run movies. Well, and a few others, right? A couple others, but really, come Deliverance on. was huge for him. Well, I was even earlier. I mean, I was still in high school when Deliverance came out. Yeah. Because I wrote a, a terrible review, like a unfavorable review of it. Did you really for a school assignment? Yeah, in grade 11. And I did it on purpose because I knew the instructor wouldn't like the movie, so I gave it a bad review. Oh, was it Sinclair? No. Um, was not. It was Mrs. Whatever her name was. Oh, okay, okay. Because I did a review of a song for Sinclair once. So yeah. Well, I I just was not very proud of that particular thing, but I wrote a convincingly damning review of it specifically because I knew that instructor would respond well to a negative review of okay. that movie. And but but it was probably. Did you feel negative about that movie? No. I'm, oh, it was pretty you, good. Did you like the movie? It was all right. Yeah, it was good. Lots of action. <laughs> Things got shot and squeal like a pig and all that. Yeah, no, it was pretty right, good. Right. But I, I wrote this really negative review of it. And uh, All right. You probably got a good mark. I did. I got a really good mark for it. Jesus. I'm going to edit that too. I think it's because it's shameful. Eh? I think that's the only time I remember really just deciding to push the buttons. I think oh, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I didn't like it. 
he went on making movies till 2018, not really any good appearances, but he was still out there. And the movie that you were trying to think of, a sort of biopic of Johnny Cash a few years back, it was Walk the Line, which was really good. Joaquin Phoenix as Johnny and Reese Witherspoon as June. It was really good. I did see that and it was good. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I'd like to see it. I like Johnny Cash. Also, I noticed when we were uh, doing, uh, you know, preparing the that particular podcast episode, I went and looked up uh, in the name of the king on Metacritic. Now, Metacritic gave it one of the lowest reviews ever, like an average of 17 out of 100 across many reviewers, right? Yeah. What I found fascinating was that the viewer rating, which is, you know, just regular people who hang out on that site, was 7.6 out of 10. So people liked that movie. That's the shocking thing. I wonder if it made money. Yeah, I don't know. Well, see, but I don't think of myself as a snooty literary art critic guy. I think of myself as just your average viewer guy. And that movie was just terrible on on what I think is the average viewer scale. Like, why did they cast these people in these roles? And then when they did, why did they let them do such a horrible job? And then when they did a horrible job, why did they not look at the writers who made them speak these idiotic lines? Maybe the producers astroturfed the reviews then. Negatively or the, the... No, like astroturfing is when you hire a whole bunch of people to do post-positive reviews of your product yeah, or negative yeah. reviews of somebody else's Yeah, product. so you're not talking about the Rotten Tomatoes score, you're talking about the viewer scores. That's the one I'm talking about. In On Metacritic, they have both viewer scores and reviewer scores. The reviewer scores were super low. The viewer scores were super high, yeah. or quite high, which I found yeah. interesting. That so is maybe, interesting. Cause maybe the producers of the movie kind of hired a whole bunch of people to post great reviews. I don't know. I'd kind of like to know if it made money because that's a long-standing question for me is if you're, if you're investing in movies to make money, then all you care about is whether the thing makes money. It doesn't matter what a piece of crap it is. Well, it didn't know. So in the name of the king was a box office bomb grossing $3 million in its United States opening, not cracking that week's top 10. It had grossed 10 million worldwide, including 4 million in Germany and a few others. Afterwards, Uwe Boll announced that this would be his first and last movie with a large budget. So it doesn't say, I guess, up in the production. Oh yeah, the budget was 60 million. 16? Six zero. $60 million in it. And it grossed, you know, 10 million or plus another 10 worldwide. So 20 million maybe. And then you got to look at all the promotional expenses. They're not included. Yeah. But then you got to look at the Netflix or whatever streaming yeah. service yeah, money maybe. there was. And yeah, that's true. Royalties and all that. But, but 60 million, it sounds like it is unlikely that it probably made money. Yeah. And it probably ran over budget as well. Boy, it was bad. Oof, just really smelly. Anyway, you talked about the Burnaby composting facility not going ahead in the proposed area along the foreshore, and we're discussing the way public input was being gathered to help council make its decision. The process is called AAP, Alternate Approval Process, and it's used instead of a referendum. Referenda are incredibly expensive, and sometimes an item has to go out for public consideration, but really, not many people are going to care. So the AAP says, let us know if you don't want this. And a certain percentage of the population must do that for the item to fail. 
and I'll just add that that's a provincial thing, but you know, the municipalities can adopt it. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Burnaby should have known there would be a huge hue and cry. And of course there was, but it's really to find a place to locate things like treatment centers, landfills, and so on that aren't going to get a certain segment in an outrage. And yet everyone wants those facilities to exist. I remember walking in the foreshore park a zillion times and until 2004 at the eastern end of the trail was a women's correctional center. I remember that now. They used to have a flower stand at the gate, flowers that inmates had grown in the center's gardens. Somehow people managed to live with it there. That whole NIMBY thing is a real giant problem. But But, I mean, in this case, I think it did make sense because they really can buy some industrial property instead. It will still be a problem if if what KJ says about the odors are true. Better better than the park, I think, because that, that area is a nice area for growing things for birds to eat kind of thing. It's really tricky, too. I sometimes think that decision makers, municipal level and places like that, really probably should spend money on marketing experts. Because, you know, you could make a case to say, yeah, we could buy industrial property, which the city doesn't currently own, but that's going to add to the cost of the project. Yeah. And that in turn is going to ask add to your tax burden. So the question I need to ask you citizens is, you want your taxes increased or do you want this park to continue to exist? Your right. call. And, but and they the, don't do that. Yeah. But even then the AAP would fail because they're, well, or yeah. no, I don't know about the AAP, but even then there would be a, still a huge hue and cry because there's a certain segment of the population that rightfully looks on these things. Yes. As, but, but the question is, is the segment of population that it would object to the loss of the pleasant walking space be bigger than the segment of the population that would object to having the, everybody's taxes raised to pay for a project that doesn't take away the pleasant walking. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that would be the question. Yeah, that's right. And regarding recycling, and RJ mentioned that Sue had seen various items from a recycling Dropbox commingled on pickup. Yep, that's the case with some stuff in some places. Recycling BC has a really good record, and I'm glad Lee is bringing this up because unlike some recycling programs in Ontario and Quebec, which hit the news and make everyone question recycling practices everywhere, and she provides a link to some easy-to-digest info on how the process works, including the sorting. So we will post that. That said, Sue witnessed that person just lumping it all together, and presumably that person was not doing their job. So if they were busted for that, then they would uh, be in trouble, I'm sure. Yeah, and I mean, I guess we should thank her because we were maybe a little bit irresponsible in not framing Sue's one-time experience Yeah. Uh, correctly. We, we didn't say anything about how, look, this could just be a one-off. We, we haven't looked into whether or not in general it's done well, because at least I haven't. Yeah. And finally, and I'm sure PJ, you'll be happy to hear this. And yes, I would buy a shed dogs t-shirt if such a thing were to come available and I would wear it proudly. You and me both. (laughs) I want to have one when I go to Portugal. I really do. I I think I'm going to look at my financial situation. I'm going to spot the Shed Dogs Corporation, the advance, and just get some of those things. What are you going to do? You're going to make up a first batch, a small uh, small artisanal oh, no. batch no. for distribution? A thousand t-shirts. 
I'm going to store them here in the shed <laughs> so we won't be... Rec no, I don't know what I'll do. I haven't thought about it, but I still do want to do that. I think it would be a lot of fun to just... So. And it's, you know, listeners, this is something that PJ has talked about since episode one. <laughs> and hasn't done anything and about He's it. always somehow pinned it on KJ, and I'm not sure exactly how... But it's like, and you guys, I remember you did some sketch artwork at some point. We got an actual, somebody who's in the business of graphic design, that would be the sister of Ron of Montreal, to do us a logo, which she did. Yeah. Uh -huh. Which we all looked at and which we collectively, all three of us, did not act upon. I don't know if we didn't like it. I don't think that's the case, but we didn't do anything. We do have the three dogs logo already. You mean the business card thing? Yeah. Well, no, the business card plus I use those three dogs all the time and all the... And yes, but I mean, right away, mm -hmm. color costs. Yeah. The three dogs that we use on every episode label on the website are in color. I think our listeners deserve color. I think spare no expense. You know, you go to a concert, you know, you got your John Mayer concert. You're looking at $65 for a cotton t-shirt. <laughs> I think. Well, I'm just thinking. Yeah, us and John Mayer. Us and yeah. John Mayer. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're thinking well, low. You're thinking you now low, know why low we demand, never but I'm saying low supply. We can. <laughs> Jeez. We can work through this. Oh, boy. I don't want to be forking over $1,000 for 60 t-shirts or something like that and then have 58 of them not go anywhere. Me and Lee are wearing one each and then the rest are just sitting there. Well, it's on you anyway. Yeah. Uh, which don't, is, don't pin it on me and KJ. Which is odd to me that it is just for some reason. Look, who generates the million dollar ideas in here? Huh? Is it you guys? No, it's me. Where's those millions we're talking well, about? What are these millions that you speak of? All these millions are laying around just like <laughs> pearls before swine waiting to be picked up by somebody yeah. who values them. The magic is in the generating of the idea. Oh, yeah, that's where it's all at. The execution part, that's anybody. Can well, do. that's for farmers to do. <laughs> and I'm no farmer. My God. No, kidding aside though, I, I, I think this time I might actually take a run at it just because it could be hella fun to have a shirt. Oh yeah, it would be nice. So that's it for this week. Thanks for coming into the shed with us again this week. It's always fun to have you here. If you need to get a hold of us for some reason because you want to praise us for our fabulous work or ask us questions or send free money, even though I think we've agreed to stop asking for free money. We accept it still. We, we do accept it. We just are trying to be a little cooler about it than we have been. Uh, you can get to us by email at wearesheddogs at gmail.com. You can come to our website, comment directly at sheddogs.ca. That's an all-Canadian website. You can get us on Twitter at, at the Shed Dogs. And these days, you can even find us on Facebook at The Shed Dogs Podcast. Um, you find that by just searching for The Shed Dogs on Facebook. So we're, uh, we're just opening up all those channels full blast for your feedback, your affection, your praise. And really, you know, I guess if you have to, your criticism. But thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. All that paid for by our VP of Social Relations. Shed Dogs.